the information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, prevention, diagnosis, counseling, treatment, or other services. Always consult a mental health professional before engaging in any activities discussed in this podcast. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wished for magical powers? Do you still await your Hogwarts acceptance letter? Well, welcome to Hogwarts. You are magical. And this is your invitation to join us in exploring the psychology behind the most magical series, Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. Hello, all you magical people out there, and thank you so much for tuning in to Harry Potter Therapy. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time witch. I think it's important that we make a statement. Although J.K. Rowling has posted numerous times on Twitter stating that she does not support trans rights in not so many words, um, but in essentially stating that sex is something that's assigned at birth and cannot be changed, Dustin and I would like to take this opportunity to personally express our views as the Harry Potter Therapy Podcast mm -hmm. that we support trans rights and the rights of all LGBTQIA plus individuals. We stand with you. We see you. We honor you. Hear, hear. So today we are going to be discussing Chapter 16 of the Chamber of Secrets, the Chamber of Secrets. After realizing that... Moaning Myrtle was the girl that died 50 years ago. Harry and Ron are really disappointed in themselves. They're upset that she was right there the whole time. And all they needed to do was be a little bit more curious about her. And if they did, they could have asked her things like how she died, about the Chamber of Secrets, and so many of the hardships that they went through and the danger that they experienced could have been averted. Sadly, it appears that Myrtle was just as invisible in real life as she was in the afterlife. Can you talk about how people might feel when they are overlooked? This is absolutely heartbreaking because for a lot of folks, especially for individuals that have been picked on and ostracized, they might sometimes actually try to make themselves invisible so as not to be bullied. And unfortunately, they might feel invisible and essentially almost become invisible. I want to personally state to anyone out there who's listening, even if you have ever been made to feel invisible or have ever felt invisible, please know that we see you in all the wonderful ways. We love you. We honor you. And a lot of times bullying makes us feel like we don't matter. And I think that's what Moaning Myrtle was made to feel. And... As we can see, both through the series and in general, hopefully you're starting to understand that everyone matters. Everyone plays an important role, and that includes you. And I hope you know just how important you are. 
when you were saying that, it, it just brings back reading the chapter, and she was actually hiding out in the girl's bathroom because someone was making fun of her. Because of her glasses. I mean, essentially she died because she was in so much pain. <laughs> I don't know. Who's <laughs> that? Hello, Harry. What do you want? To ask you how you died. Oh, it was dreadful. It happened right here in this very cubicle. I didn't because Olive Hornby was teasing me about my glasses. I was crying, and then I heard somebody come in. Who was it, Myrtle? I don't know. I was distraught. Had she not been bullied, she wouldn't have been hiding out and crying in that bathroom, and then she wouldn't have come face to face with the basilisk. So at one point, Jenny Weasley approaches Harry and tells him that she has to explain something to him. She's acting very reluctant and very regretful. She is interrupted by Percy Weasley before she can say anything, and she runs off. Can you talk about the anxiety of revealing truths or secrets in this case? Well, I think, unfortunately, for a lot of people who have been perpetrated against and abused the way that Ginny has, she was manipulated and perpetrated against by Tom Riddle. I think most of our listeners will have known this part by now. And unfortunately, for a lot of folks who have experienced a trauma like Jenny had experienced, believe erroneously that the experience was their fault somehow, that they had done something to deserve it, and that when people find out about what happened, that they would be blamed for it and that nobody would forgive them. What happened to Jenny was not her fault. It is 100% the fault of the perpetrator. Whenever abuse, manipulation like this happens, it is never the victim's fault. It is never the survivor's fault. The responsibility, the fault always lies with the perpetrator as it is in this case. But poor Jenny was so scared, like a lot of children are when they're manipulated into doing terrible things that they otherwise wouldn't do by someone who's essentially an adult or almost an adult. Mm -hmm. She didn't trust that other people would understand. She wanted to try to tell Harry, but she couldn't face her brother. And she couldn't tell other people in, in front of her family members. Yeah, it's sad because she was almost there and she was interrupted. It's just a sad situation all around. Because unfortunately, when people are not able to speak out about what they're going through, they might be perpetrated against again. And in some situations, the results might be worse, as is the case for Jenny. Right. So there's a point where Harry and Ron are sneaking through the halls trying to get to the girls' bathroom to talk to Moaning Myrtle. When they do this, they're caught by Professor McGonagall. Harry comes up with this brilliant excuse that they were sneaking to the hospital wing to see Hermione and tell her that the mandrakes are just about to be harvested and she's going to be okay. Essentially talking to someone who's comatose. McGonagall actually tears up at this and allows them to go. Wish you were here, Hermione. We need you. Now more than ever. 
Once they're there, Madame Pomfrey tells them that petrified people won't be able to hear them and it's useless. I couldn't help but think about people in comas. What are your thoughts about talking to people who are in comas or who are comatose? Well, research related to this is mixed. In my personal and professional standpoint on this is I believe that a number of scientific studies are suggesting that people in a coma state, at least in some cases, can still process auditory information as is seen by their MRI or their EEG, for example. And therefore, at least in some instances, it might be helpful to continue talking to individuals in a coma. Some individuals who have woken up from a coma have written books about their experiences and I can't remember exactly the name of this individual, but I know there was a person who wrote a book while in a coma by learning to communicate with other people through an activation of their brain waves as a letter of an alphabet. My eyes just got so huge right there. That is so interesting. Yes. And so although they were not able to speak, they were able to communicate through neurological activation of their brain as in, you know, think of this if you're thinking of the letter A or think of this if you're thinking of the letter B. So it's interesting that an increase in one activity of the brain or the other can allow some neurologists and neuroscientists to potentially understand what the person in a coma goes through. Unfortunately for people who are able to perceive information while in a coma, they might feel incredibly lonely and sometimes even taken advantage of while in the hospital. So poor Hermione was probably all on her own. So it's actually really great that Ron and Harry went to talk to her. Well, that was just their excuse. (laughs) but they did end up talking to her anyway and actually when they were visiting Hermione they found a page torn from a very old library book in her petrified hand I mean Hermione actually desecrated a book oh the shame the page was information on a monster called a basilisk many fearsome beasts that roam our land none is more deadly than the basilisk Capable of living for hundreds of years, instant death awaits any who meet this giant serpent's eye. Spiders flee before it. Ron, this is it. The monster in the Chamber of Secrets is a basilisk. A basilisk is a very poisonous snake of abnormal size, and it is considered the serpent king. It fears the rooster's crow, which can kill it. It terrifies spiders, which are its mortal enemy, and its stare could immediately kill anyone caught in its beam. But if it kills by looking people in the eye, why is it no one's dead? Because no one did look it in the eye. Not directly, at least. Colin saw it through his camera. Justin. Justin must have seen the basilisk through nearly headless Nick. Nick got the full blast of it, but he's a ghost. He couldn't die again. And Hermione had the mirror. I bet you anything she was using it to look around corners in case it came along. And Mrs. Norris? I'm pretty sure she didn't have a camera or a mirror, Harry. The water. There was water on the floor that night. She only saw the basilisk's reflection. Hermione is so damn smart. She brilliantly deduced this creature and the way that it was moving around through the castle unseen mostly is through the pipes. It all fits. How's the basilisk been getting around? A dirty great snake, someone would have seen it. Hermione's answered that too. 
pipes it's using the plumbing it being a snake and moving around is why harry could hear it in the walls that must be really validating for harry to discover and see what do you think is the power of validation especially in this Mm. scenario so powerful for so many individuals who for example have unusual experiences like seeing ghosts or seeing ufos or maybe going through some kind of an abuse if they're made to feel like they're just seeing things or hearing things or imagining things it can make them feel like they're quote-unquote crazy i don't like using that word but that's how the individuals are made to feel and to know that they were right, to know that their experience was real, to know that somebody else believes them is so validating and it can actually be healing for a lot of folks. Again, for individuals who had been perpetrated against, if we're talking about trauma, to know that somebody believes them can be so empowering. And for people like Harry that can see things or hear things that other people can't, it can be really moving to know that they're not just imagining things, that what they're hearing or seeing is real. Yeah, it's very important. The truth is out there. With this new information they found from Hermione, they needed to tell some teacher. They needed to tell someone who could actually do something about it. They went to the staff room to find Professor McGonagall. And while they were there, her magically enhanced voice tells all the students to return to their dormitories immediately. All students are to return to their house dormitories at once. All teachers to the second floor corridor immediately. There was another attack, and it was on a pureblood, and that pureblood was Ginny Weasley. She was taken into the Chamber of Secrets, and there was another message from the heir of Slytherin that said, A skeleton will lie in the chamber forever. And that's exactly what I was referring to earlier when I said that when individuals are not able to report their abuse, a lot of times it can escalate. And that's exactly what we're seeing here, where Ginny is now kidnapped and will likely die unless somebody goes in there to save her. Yeah, it's a very scary situation, especially for Ron and Harry and pretty much everybody else in the school because now everybody is fair game. So Lockhart essentially volunteered because he knows everything and all the teachers kind of put him on the spot and said, all right, it's your turn, buckaroo. So sorry, dozed off. What have I missed? A girl has been snatched by the monster Lockhart. Your moment has come at last. My... Moment. Weren't you saying just last night that you've known all along where the entrance to the Chamber of Secrets is? That's settled. We'll leave you to deal with the monster, Gilderoy. Your skills, after all, are legend. Very well. Uh, I'll just be in my office getting, um, getting ready. They decide to go to Lockhart and try to assist him or tell him what they know about this creature that Hermione had found out. And they went to go give all that information to him. Lockhart may be useless, but he's going to try and get into the chamber. At least we can tell him what we know. Professor, we have some information for you. When they get to his office, he is packing and preparing to run away from the school. Are you going somewhere? Uh... Well, yes, um, urgent call, unavoidable, uh, gotta go. What about my sister? Well, um, as to that most unfortunate, no one regrets more than I. You're the defense against the dark arts teacher. 
You can't go now. Well, I must say, when I took the job, there was nothing in the job description about it. You're running away? After all that stuff you did in your books? Books can be misleading. You wrote them. My dear boy, do use your common sense. My books wouldn't have sold half as well if people didn't think I'd done all those things. You're a fraud. You've just been taking credit for what other wizards have done. Is there anything you can do? Yes, now you mention it. I'm rather gifted with memory charms. Otherwise, you see, all those wizards would have gone blabbing, and I'd never have sold another book. In fact, uh, I'm uh, going to have to do the same to you. Don't even think about it. He finally shows his true colors. What does this say about his personality? Three words. He's a coward. We've known that from the very beginning that he's had no spine. There was no accountability. He is such a narcissist, or at the very least, he presents with narcissistic tendencies where he has no regard for others. He's incredibly threatened. If anybody takes the attention off of him, he's unable to take any feedback or criticism. And he fabricates situations and manipulates situations to make himself look good. Now he is just fleeing the scene instead of at the very least attempting to help. And so, yeah, he's a coward. (laughs) I don't know why, but this came up to me like all those old cartoons where someone has a glove in their hand and they're like, sir, I meet you on the field of battle. And they smack him in the face in front of everybody to make sure that they have a duel. I challenge you to a duel. (gasps) I'd like to duel Lockhart. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway... The boys finally get to the girls' bathroom, and while they're there, Moaning Myrtle kind of explains that she didn't really see what happened. But he said something funny, a kind of made-up language, and I realized it was a boy speaking, so I unlocked the door to tell him to go away, and I died. Just like that? How? I just remember seeing a pair of great big yellow eyes over there by that lo and behold harry finds a snake medallion like thing on one of them and he decides to talk in parcel tongue and he opens the chamber of secrets this is it ron i think this is the entrance to the chamber of secrets say something harry say something in parcel tongue this huge big dark opening that opens up in the ground and essentially you have to jump into it and the boys (laughs) and the boys force Lockhart down first which is awesome excellent Harry Ah, good work well then I'll just be uh, there's no need for me to stay (laughs) oh yes there is you first now boys what good will it do better you than us um Sure, you don't want to test it first. No! Ah! Really quite filthy down here. While they're down there, Lockhart 
actually wrestles Ron's wand away from him and tries to obliviate the boys because that's how he gets all his information and all his stories and everything. He will find out from these people, obliviate them so they don't know, and he'll take their stories. The thing he didn't know is that Ron's wand has been broken since they were in the car at the beginning of the whole story. And he ends up obliviating himself and causing the cave to collapse between Harry, Ron, and Lockhart. The adventure ends here, boys. But don't fret. The world will know our story. How I was too late to save the girl. How you two tragically lost your minds at the sight of her mangled body. So, you first, Mr. Potter. Say goodbye to your memories. That's essentially where this chapter ends, is where Harry is about to actually enter this big ominous room. And that's a good place for us to go ahead and end this episode of Harry Potter Therapy. Again, my name is Dustin McGinnis. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quell. Everybody stay safe out there, stay magical, and thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, black lives matter, trans lives matter. <laughs>